This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. On this last Sunday in the month of June, I want us to pick up where we left off just before Father's Day, which was last Sunday. For the first two Sundays in this month, we were thinking together about the same general theme. These human emotions and desires we find within ourselves, these instincts and urges, what shall we do with them? On that first Sunday in June, we saw that the answer of Christ is that we should ride the wild horses of human desire, harnessing them, dedicating all of our emotions to Jesus, using them for His glory. Then the next Sunday, we looked at one of these emotions, in particular that of our drum major desires, that desire within us all to have the spotlight, the center of the stage, our desire to lead the parade. We concluded that we all can truly be a leader, but that we must be careful to achieve greatness only by God's divine standard. Greatness comes, Jesus said, by being a servant. Now, this morning, I want us to resume our thinking in this general area, knowing that we're right now in the heart of the summer season. So let's look together today at another one of our powerful human drives and desires, that is the pursuit of happiness. In just nine more days, we come to celebrate our nation's independence. The founders of our nation realized some vital truths when they declared our freedom from a foreign power. They said, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and listen to this, the pursuit of happiness. These men struck a deep chord when they recognized as one of our inalienable rights, that means a right from which we cannot be separated, the right to, for the pursuit of happiness. And yet there's so many, there are millions of people in this world, all of whom are engaged in a mad, frantic race to find happiness, but so few seem to find it. How many people do you know who are truly happy? Using that word in the fullest sense, let me, let me ask you the question about yourself. Are you really happy? A fellow pastor and a friend of mine wrote in his weekly church column these words. She lives a life of affluence. Between her job and his job, there's a six-figure income and all the extras that go with it. But inside, there's an emptiness. Inside the marriage, there's loneliness. Work is financially rewarding, but it's drudgery. She's coming closer to the edge of hopelessness. She's in the pursuit of happiness. He is single and has grown tired of the smoke-filled bars and late nights and never-ending chase. His first marriage ended because he heard the call of the wild, and he's followed that call pretty hard for 10 years now. But now it just seems like an endless movie loop string of brief relationships and he just can't seem to get it right. He is in the pursuit of happiness. 
They have just moved to town from up north. Still can't seem to adjust to sweet tea, grits, chicken bog, and y'all. <laughs> Work brought him here, and their two preschoolers lock her down at home all day. He does his best to be supportive of his wife, but that new job is taking all he's got. She is starving to know there's somebody who understands how stuck she is. She is in the pursuit of happiness. This couple has been faithful to their church for years, but for whatever reason, they are not being fed spiritually. They're drying up in their walk with Christ. They're caught up in the most difficult situation, torn between comfortable routines and spiritual starvation. There's a restlessness in their soul. They really do want to be happy in Jesus. They're in the pursuit of happiness. Now, let me say right now that I hope all of you who know me well enough to know that Kirk Lawton is not speaking here against all the fun and laughter and uh, joy in life. Humor has its rightful place. With all the misery we have in the world, we certainly do not need someone who makes it his business going around draping black crepe on everything. But still, it saddens me to see people who are engaged in a shallow joy. One mother was seen at an amusement park one day, and all around her there was noise and laughter, the music of the fair, loud talking, all made festive by the atmosphere of a throng of happy people. This mother, however, does not seem to be happy. She was seen shaking her 10-year-old son, and a bystander heard her say to him, All right, you wanted to come, and now you're going to enjoy yourself if it kills you. Aren't there many all about us who are killing themselves, having a good time? The feeling which is not often expressed in words, but is rampant in the thoughts of so many, would be something like this. Oh, don't be too concerned about religion. The world's going to end in a few years anyhow. This is the last chance you've got to have a good time. After all, you're young only once. Everybody sows a few wild oats, and so the saying goes. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm all for religion, God, and church. But if a little lie will get you out of a jam, then what's the harm? If other guys are bragging about their exploits with a girl, why should I sit by and be a goody two-shoes? Or if other girls get dates by lowering their moral standards, why should I sit at home alone? Or somebody else says, if you can sail through a tough exam <clears throat> by just a little bit of outside help, why be a fool and go in unprepared? After all, others are doing it. What difference does it make if you can get away with it? Well, the tragic fact is that you never do get away with it, not if it's contrary to the laws of God. Sin is a very strange thing. It's not finished when it has been committed, but it lives on like a termite inside. It just eats out your heart and character and leaves you later just a hollow pretense of what you'd like to think you are. Sow a thought, reap an act. Sow an act, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character and reap a destiny. Yes, people pursue happiness in all sorts of ways. How do you try to find happiness? You know, Jesus had a strange answer for us. He says that you never find happiness 
by looking for it, sort of like a watched pot that never boils. Happiness is not a goal to be achieved. It's a byproduct of a life lived for God. We find real happiness not in giving, but in giving. And there may be many times in our lives when we find that serving the Lord is not really easy. I read recently of a little old lady, a very sincere Christian, who lived next door to a militant atheist. Every morning, this lady would come out on her front porch and she would shout, Praise the Lord! The old atheist would yell back, There is no God! But undaunted, she does this every morning with the same response from her neighbor. And so as time goes by, she runs into financial difficulty. She has trouble buying necessary food. So she goes out on her porch again, as she always does. She prays aloud, asking God for help with her groceries. And then she says, praise the Lord. The next morning, she goes out onto her porch and finds there a bag of groceries just like she's been praying for. Of course, her prayer this day is just as usual. Praise the Lord. And just about that time, that atheist jumps out from behind a bush and he says, Ha! I bought those groceries. I put them on your porch. See, there is no God. The lady looked at him and smiled. Then she shouted, Praise the Lord. Not only did you provide for me, Lord, but you also made Satan pay for my groceries. Praise the Lord. <laughs> of course, things don't always work out easily for us like that. Some think that if they have everything arranged so that everything flows to them, they're going to have real happiness. It just doesn't work that way. This is one of the fundamental mistakes that so many people make. You know, if your life has everything flowing into it, you're becoming like the Dead Sea in Palestine. There's no outlet to the Dead Sea except through evaporation. That's why it's dead. The waters of the Jordan River flow into it, plus a little bit of water that comes from uh, the rains and other little streams flowing into it, but nothing flows out of the Dead Sea. It's dead. Those who have been there, as I have, know that the waters of the Dead Sea are brackish. They're ugly. They're filled with salt and minerals. Uh, no living thing can actually survive continuously in the Dead Sea. There's no green grass or vegetation clinging around to the edge of the Dead Sea. The water in the Dead Sea is eight times saltier than the waters of the Atlantic. It is dead. I remember one time we went there on a Holy Land trip. I was wearing blue jeans. <clears throat> I didn't swim in the try to swim in the Dead Sea, but I, I waded out, oh, about knee-deep in the water, and then came back to the shore. <clears throat> As my blue jeans dried, they dried uh, with a hard cake-like substance. It was just stiff. That's what the salt water did. In fact, we've been told you cannot drown in the Dead Sea. <clears throat> you may try to, but the, the minerals in the Dead Sea will keep pushing you up to the top. It's impossible to drown in the Dead Sea. Helen Steiner Rice has written a poem about the Dead Sea. You may have heard it. it goes like this. A very favorite story of mine is about two seas in Palestine. One is sparkling sapphire jewel. Its waters are clean and clear and cool. Along its shores, the children play as travelers seek it on their way. 
and nature gives lavishly her choicest gems to the Galilee. This is the other sea above the Dead Sea. But on to the south the Jordan flows into a sea where nothing grows. No splash of fish, no singing bird, no children's laughter is ever heard. The air hangs heavy all around, and nature shuns this barren ground. Both seas receive the Jordan's flow. The water is just the same, we know. But one of the seas, like liquid sun, can warm the hearts of everyone, while farther south another sea is dead and dark and miserly. It takes each drop the Jordan brings, and to each drop it fiercely clings. It hoards and holds the Jordan's waves like un, until like shackled, captured slaves, the fresh clear Jordan turns to salt and dies within the Dead Sea's vault. But the Jordan flows on rapturously as it enters and leaves the Galilee, for every drop that the Jordan gives becomes a laughing wave that lives. For the Galilee gives back each drop. Its waters flow and never stop. And in this laughing, living sea, it takes and gives so generously. We find the way to life and living is not in keeping, but in giving. Yes, there are two Palestinian seas, and mankind is fashioned after these. Let's look now at some Bible examples of people who tried to find happiness the wrong way. First, Simon Peter. We see him now in the high priest's house. There's a small fire burning outside to warm people who gathered around it. A young girl says to Peter, you were with him. But Peter says with an oath, I never saw him before. The Bible says that Peter ended that night on a lonely hillside weeping bitterly. Let's look at another man from the Bible, Judas Iscariot. It looked as if everything he had given his life to was about to collapse. This man whom he had followed, called Jesus, had not really turned out to be the Redeemer to free them from the Roman oppression. So Judas kissed Jesus, clutched to himself that bag of coins, and thought he would get happiness in the process. But this man's life ended in remorse and total bitterness. He could not continue to live with himself when he realized what he had done. But let's look at another person in the scriptures, Jesus Christ. He made a very strange statement that doesn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people. Whosoever would save his life will lose it. And whosoever loses his life for my sake will save it. But whenever people look around for the perfect life, they turn to Jesus always. When we look for somebody who really has the abundant life, we look to him. And yet, his life led to a cross. Every person who takes seriously the words of Jesus and his commands must remember that he said that real happiness comes through losing one's life. That's the only way. Those who serve only themselves, who pamper their every whim and grant license to their every appetite, these are the ones whose lives are barren and unhappy. You can look about us all everywhere today. 
see people who have everything. They've, everybody bows before them in lots of ways. They're not the happy people. That's what Jesus was saying. Live your life selfishly and you will lose it. Give your life away in service and it grows in beauty. Let me conclude by sharing with you a passage from Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, verses 23 through 25. I'm reading from the contemporary English version. Then Jesus said to all the people, If any of you want to be my followers, you must forget about yourself. You must take up your cross every day and follow me. If you want to save your life, you will destroy it. But if you will give up your life for me, you will save it. What will you gain if you own the whole world but destroy yourself or waste your life? <clears throat> Some of you are familiar with John Peterson who's given us another paraphrase of the scripture in the book he's entitled The Message. He renders that passage I just read with these words. Jesus told them what they could expect for themselves. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you? the real you. Yes, people everywhere are looking for the pursuit of happiness. That's written in our documents that we celebrate on these days ahead, Independence Day. We have a, a right to pursue happiness. God does not force us to follow him. Jesus said, you have the choice to make. And we all have that choice. Do we want to pamper ourselves and lose our life in the process? Or do we want to give our life away and thereby save it? Oh God, help us, we pray, to understand what Jesus is saying, but not just intellectually to understand it, but also to live it and to experience it and to know that when we give ourselves away, then we gain ultimately. That's what Jesus did, we know, Father, and we thank you for his, his life, his sacrifice, his giving himself away so that we through him might have life. We offer our prayer and our thanks for your son, Jesus, in his wonderful name. Amen.